R-E-S-P-E-C-T Find out what it means to me R-E-S-P-E-C-T Take care, T-C-P Suck it to me, suck it to me, suck it to me Hello, my friends Welcome to this latest of the ESSR feature shows here On the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet podcast platform I am not Aretha Franklin I am your host this week I am Stephen Wilson, and on this latest feature show here from us, we are going to be in the on the fifth anniversary of this particular pay-per-view. Look back, a very nostalgic pay-per-view, which is quite fitting in the current times. Yes, we're going to look at NXT Takeover. Respect. Thus, my poor rendition of that classic <laughs> song at the beginning of this show. <laughs> so, just before me and my panel go through that show, just a bit of housekeeping from us here. You can find us on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. You can also find us on any good podcast platform. If you search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, you can find all our back catalogue of feature shows, plus our brand new main news show, ESSR Central, where we go through all the latest goings on in professional wrestling, as well as other great shows such as Saturday Draft Live, East Meets West, and the maybe soon to be returning uh, show Albergographs. Could not remember the name, it's been that dang long since that show's been on. <laughs> uh, and you can also find us on YouTube, where we've got a lot of great content on there, including Quiz Showdown and The Conspiracy Theory, hosted mm. by some absolute asshole. <laughs> on to the show! So we're talking about the great times of NXT. And when people think about the great times of NXT, they think of the four horsewomen. And we have our version of the four, four horsewomen here today. I am, of course, the man, because I am the man. Next is, a, is someone who is so self-entitled, so much so that he takes so many different breaks from the podcast to get mm. plastic surgery on parts of his body, such as his face and potentially his breasts. I don't know why I've not seen them. It is, of Ooh. course, the goat David Campbell. Listen, Stephen, I need to go and take a, a take a small break uh, from this from this show uh, to go and get a penis extension. No, I'm kidding. On. It was lovely. It's, uh, it's always good to be in a feature show. I was a big fan of your intro, Stephen. I'm happy to talk about this brilliant pay per view today. Yes, and up next, uh, she's never had a successful title defense, much like Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. <laughs> However, I've never heard one person compare her to Ratchet. It's Sarah Grief. Right, I'm going to have to correct you, Stephen, because um, when we did the NXT quiz, I successfully defended my, my title when I was in my second brain. Get your facts straight. Oh, right, fair enough. It's took you so many attempts, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've had about 20 attempts. Oh, Sasha's an attempt. Sasha's an attempt number six, you know, give her a couple more goes and she might get there eventually. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know. And round, the, round the off our panel, there ain't no stopping him now because he is the best friend of the wacky, waving, flammable, arm-waving tube men and that was just when he worked at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. It's Alan McLucas. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I worked for a lot of tubes at Enterprise, I really did. Especially that quack out, eh? <laughs> I know It's not like he has an important role Dealing with the audio of this podcast Where he can dictate everything that we all say on this show Sorry, I know what he says <laughs> His mum's making me dinner this weekend Don't worry about it, it's all good And don't forget to send him your best yeast uh, In the mail, he'll appreciate that uh, I'm not a yeast provider 
The best part about it was somebody did send them yeast, but enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry everybody, I interrupt this recording with a message for Alan McLucas, you dirty, manky, wacky, lanky bastard. Back to the show. <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're, we're going to look back, fight. it is the fifth anniversary of NXT TakeOver Respect. It's quite a fitting pay-per-view to go back and look, and look on for a couple of reasons. One, that the NXT champion at that particular time is the NXT champion today. And also, mm. the two females who were in the main event could also be set to feud for the first time in five years, even though it should have happened again about two years ago. But <laughs> enough about that. We're going to go into the pay-per-view, but first... We're going to talk about two of the things quickly that leads into the pay-per-view, David. And of course, this was the first ever, this pay-per-view we saw the first ever crowning of the Dustin Rhodes Tag Team Classic Champions. And it was a shame that it's, it's, a, it's crazy to think that it's been over five years now that we've lost the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, and it's obviously a sad way to start off, but it's something that, you know, NXT is celebrated and we look at wrestling today, it's very much a landscape divided by WWE fans and AEW fans. But this is, Dusty Rhodes transcends that rivalry. He is a man that will always be honoured by WWE and NXT in particular for how he helped to grow the seed of that brand from its early inception all the way up to where it was by the time we got um, to this takeover. He is one of those guys who will go down in history not only for being an absolutely excellent performer, but for taking the next generation of talent and helping them in their journeys and you can see that from the emotional response that many of the talents had to his death and to his legacy since his departure from us unfortunately yeah i mean uh, alan many people class this era of nxt as the prime the peak of the performance center recruits and you think about it m many of them credit their success to the dream oh yeah absolutely i mean you look at the card there's not a single poor performer on it there really is. It's just solid all the way right through, except for, you know, maybe Matt and Sasha. I'm not the biggest fan of Sasha. Are you not? Awesome. No, I'm not. I know, breaking news. But, <laughs> you know, overall, it's an absolute class paper. you absolutely solid all the way through. Um, yeah, it's definitely one, not just one of the best NXT pay-per-views ever, it's possibly one of the best ones WWE's ever done. Period. Yeah, I mean, say that. I look back on this first uh, Dusty Classic bracket. We had 16 teams in it. See if you look back at some of the teams in it. It's just amazing seeing how how much the wrestling has came since this. Wow. Looking at the people who've been in it. I mean, yeah, like I've got the brackets in front of me, and I'm sitting there going, like, who ever thought the team of Angelo Dawkins and Sawyer Fulton would um, be like put together as a team? But it's like you're sitting looking at it, and like half the folk, like some of them aren't even actually with. NXT anymore, um, or they're actually like teamed up with other people. I mean, you had Tucker Knight, and this is like before Otis came on the scene and when Elias still had his last name. Tucker still had his last name here as well. Yeah. I know. It's, that was the team that stood out to me when I looked back in this. I was like, my god, Elias. I forgot Elias had a surname until I looked back in <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is a, it's interesting how uh, Murphy. Is, is Murphy here, he then gained a first name since this, but he's lost that um, in the intervening time. He's went through a journey since the start of this tournament. Oh, right. <laughs> the Monday Night Messiah, you know, he does things to you. You know, <laughs> he takes your surname and does not give you it back. <laughs> uh, there was one Solomon Crow also in this tournament. He's, uh, 
Can any of you point out who Solomon Crow is these days? Oh, he's a Mr. Sammy Callahan in TNA. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I am aware of Sammy Callahan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I have to say on that. I know who he is. He spits I like to watch him from a distance. Yeah, I like to watch him from a distance. <laughs> not the, he's not the best up close. Not the best up close at all. Well, if you're in that thing, then you know, fair, fair enough. But if you're not, and myself, distance is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sarah, the other big thing coming into this pay per view was. We were off the back of what many people still today class as the best NXT singles match of all time at Brooklyn between Bailey and Sasha Banks. And at this pay-per-view, we got not just the rematch between the two, but as we'll go into later on, the first ever women's main event. Historic, as you'd like to say, on the TakeOver card. It was such a historic thing. I mean, it's one of the things that we all look back on as being one of the like the sort of marquee moments in the women's revolution. I mean, not taking anything away from like women main eventing like shows and everything before, like um, Trish and Lita. Mm. But this was like a this was a pay per view, and this was sort of the pure kickstart. I mean, you you had um, the inventor of women's wrestling, Stephanie McMahon, in the audience as well as Becky and Charlotte front row. Lita as well. And Let's Lita, yeah. Lita. Let's not forget about Lita. Even though when I was no. watching it, I seen the freedom going, who's the one on the left? Oh, it's Lita. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, 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 it's crazy. Uh, Alan, you're not a Sasha Banks fan. As you've told us, you know, you'll later on probably tell us you're not a fan of tag wrestling as well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> but, uh, Mate, do you want the bloody last me? I'll do it. You just made the last. <laughs> Alan, you got to admit that um, it was a they had a lot to that's both uh, Sasha and Bailey had a lot to live up to going into this pay per view from that night in Brooklyn. Oh, definitely. I mean, I can't imagine what the pressure must have been like to be the first you know, woman to headline a pay per view, and you know they didn't fail. They uh, they over delivered. It was just it's a crack match. It's one of the best women's matches I've ever seen. Period, and it's also one of the best wrestling matches I've actually ever seen. Um, you know. There is a lot of bot here and there from Sasha. Nothing, nothing you know, we're not used to. But still, it was an absolute class match. Mm-hmm. And the storytelling it is absolutely phenomenal. But one thing I will give props to, to Sasha on. Sasha has nailed the heel gimmick in this. She is the perfect heel the whole way through. Fantastic. Oh, from start to finish. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk about that as it, when we get into it later on in the show. But David also... You know, in terms of a build, I think WWE kind of nailed, or NXT in particular, nailed the build between these two. Such, so much that the the build that they've got just now just does not feel the same. Yeah, and it's 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 a time, you know, it's capturing lightning in a bottle. You know what I mean? Because by this point, Banks had moved up to the main roster, um, and it's the whole story of it's sort of Bailey getting left behind and stuff like that as well. You know what I mean? And you really felt the hatred between the two of them back then you know and you felt like these two were the sort of icons of their generation in nxt um and as you say we will recapture it now i think we don't know where the story's going to go i don't want to judge it too quickly but you're certainly right in that this felt like the big match there was no question of what match was going to main event this pay-per-view and it cemented 
Sasha Banks and Bailey is two people that we're going, we wanted to keep an eye on, we wanted to get behind for years after it. And that's not just the matter itself, like you said, that is partly to do with the way it was built and the memory we have of the excitement leading up to it. Yes, definitely, but that's enough about the build-up. Let's get into the show. Amazing thinking that this was the last uh, NXT TakeOver to take place in the Performance Centre pre the COVID era, the COVID-19 pandemic era, of course, but it's probably going to be the last TakeOver show we will probably see in front of a crowd in that particular uh, venue. Obviously, when crowds return, probably NXT will start going back to the other venues and they won't do TakeOvers in the Performance Centre anymore. But, Alan, we had this, the, the match, the card kicked off with uh, one of the semi-finals in the Dusty Tag Team Classic. It was a man who's now NXT champion once again in Finn Balor, teaming up with a commentator in Samoa Joe to take on two guys who seem to be holding gold in a different promotion these days. They were known as the mechanics back then, but it was Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson, the revival. Now, Alan, this was probably, I know myself, this was the first time I really got to see the revival before we started seeing them come out on their own across NXT in the years to come. Yeah, I mean, I was never a fan of revival. Um, in the main roster and I don't know if it's because it's the way they were booked or they just didn't like and they couldn't be bothered but this showed the glimpses of what they were doing in AEW they, it was a brilliant match it had you in the edge of your seat it was really entertaining it had, you know, the, see the sneaky work that the revival do all the way through you know Finn's holding the knee and he's Joe's at the corner begging for the tag the next thing is Finn jumps to get the tag there's Dash, or sorry, no Dash. Um, I've told, his name's totally been in my head now. Dawson. <laughs> Dawson. Oh, what's Dash, wasn't it? Uh, what's Dash pulling Joe's legs out at the bottom? And he just missed him. It was the timing, the teamwork. It was just absolutely sensational. It's just a very clever work match. Um, the, the storytelling is brilliant in it as well. And to be honest, this is the, the first time I watched this as well. And I totally forgot that Finn and uh, Joel were involved in this tournament and it's just oh, it's just brilliant, superb. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it, the way they kind of worked this first tournament, where you had all these pretty much had the single guys going in there. Uh, David, one thing I found quite interesting, obviously in hindsight looking back, it's amazing when you look back at it, the amount of comparisons with the revival at this point they kept making with the Brain Busters and now we look in 2020 mm. that are now managed by one of the Brain Busters himself and Talia Blanchard. And it's one of those things that sort of, uh, it's been a compliment and has plagued them throughout their entire career because you're right, in NXT, they were the Brain Busters, that's what everyone compared them to, you know what I mean? Like, you had Scott Dawson, who is the Arn Anderson sort of of the group, and I've always thought when I saw Dawson wrestle, that that's a guy who could legitimately beat you to, like, you, a pulp. You once described Scott Dawson as the one wrestler on the WWE roster that you would love to go for a pint with. I just, I, I, there's something about Scott Dawson. I just, I believe him when he's in the middle of that ring, you know what I mean? He's like the working man, fish and chips wrestler. You know, I'm really a big fan of him. And like you said, the comparison between, uh, between Tully and then Dash Wilder, who's a bit, I mean, it's a bit more sprightly, a bit younger, you know, a bit more of the sort of, you know, the technician bit flashier of the group. But it's interesting that you bring that up because that was one of the reasons that they realised they weren't going to make it in WWE in the long term. Um, Vince McMahon said, I heard they were like uh, Arn and Tully, um, and they're not Arn and Tully, they're just an R2 good wrestlers or uh, something of that along those lines. So it's interesting the story um, of this comparison to the Brain Busters and the revival and how that changed and affected them throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Sarah, I mean, I watched this back and we've many people who really who don't really watch NXT who have seen Samoa Joe well I've not got to truly appreciate Samoa Joe I think because he's had so much stop starts injuries since he came to the main roster but back then he was still he just joined NXT we were, he was still pulling at all his arsenal and he was hitting the muscle buster I missed the muscle buster as a finisher <laughs> it's, it's so good <laughs> yeah no I, I think like people who didn't who didn't actually watch NXT during this time and like if anyone listening is actually like part of that demographic, I suggest you go back and watch some, oh, some more Joe's matches because, yeah, it, he was riddled with injuries and bad luck as soon as he came to Raw and SmackDown. Um, and as we can see now that he's, he's doing commentary, and let's, let's face it, he's doing well on commentary, but I miss him in the ring, especially like do, like seeing the muscle buster. Like... You haven't you hadn't really seen that since like obviously the unfortunate injury of Tyson Kidd, but even then, like that was just that was one time, and like if the muscle bust is done correctly, then it's it's fine, it's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it may it may incapacitate you, it may kill you. Um, but apart from that, I missed it. I apart <laughs> from that, it's a fantastic move. What have the Romans ever done for us? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but- one thing, uh, one thing Alan brought up, which I thought was great. I mean, it's old school, but it was brilliant. See the way they work Finn Balor's knee, and mm. the way Finn Balor works that knee injury throughout the match. It's just like you don't really see that too much anymore. Usually, sometimes they do that. And then the best example is of uh, is it SummerSlam? I mean, I love Asuka. We'll talk about Asuka later on, but mm. she has that match at SummerSlam against Bailey at first, and she gets battered at the end of the match, and then she comes out for the match with Sasha, and she just walks out normally. It's like Bailey, yeah. Asuka, Asuka, I know you're so badass. But he's still gonna beat up. But Finn sells that the injury like he's been run over by a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like well, it, it's it's something you don't actually tend to see. It's people either forgetting what leg that's supposed to be injured, cough cough Natalia, um, <laughs> or they're just it's like the, it's just like magically heals. Like oh, there's the magic sponge from the physio, and then you're, it's like you're suddenly all better. Like no, that that shit worked yeah. when I was six years old. It's not gonna work when I'm in my thirties. And that was good. It was good to see. I, I like. I love like target a body part style of match because it does add to the drama later on, especially if they need it for the finish, which is the case here with the coup de gras. But I liked how it was Joe that they they targeted and were beaten down for the start of it because we don't usually see Samoa Joe and that sort of. We're not seeing him as a babyface in peril. You know, I mean, that's not not something he did throughout the entirety of his career. So I was very exciting to sort of see that and see it work well because he's such a big guy. You'd expect it to be Balor. They got beaten down for the most part, you know. Yeah, I mean, Bala seems to only really he gets that he gets that knee block, but he doesn't really get too much battering. And they kind of they kind of put them away towards the end in quite decisive fashion with the muscle buster could they get a combo. It's quite a nice it's a nice sexual finishing combination they kind of have. But you kind of look at some more Joe at the end of the match, and he's kind of like, ah, oh, great, you've done that. And then he's also at the same time going. Ah, oh, bugger, why are you doing that? We've got another match to come. You could do something else, you know. <laughs> you're, the, you're, you're the champ, you're very athletic. You could do some sort of, you could do various moves in your variety, but no, you do the one thing that injures your dang guy leg again. God's <laughs> sake. No wonder he turns on him like two months later. See, I, this <laughs> I misremembered this because when they were getting the trophy and I was like, oh, Oh, this is a bit of a spoil for later on. I was like, I'm sure this was the night Joe turned on Finn. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like the right time to do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was waiting for that as well, actually. I'm like, you really do it doing this. That, not, not the name didn't do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, like, it's quite a blase goes through, finishes it, that's it, done, done, done. But 
No, the two of them, Finn and Samoa Joe, they advance to the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic where they'll take on the winners of the next match that we're going to go into. It's the team of Chad Gable and Jason Jordan. Yes, remember Jason Jordan. You know, mm. he has a very famous dad, apparently. Uh, the team <laughs> of American Alpha back in their early days taking on the man beast Rhino and a man, the only man who has a worse hairline than Ryan Galhar. It was Barry Corbin, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Tournament. Uh, David, yes. it's amazing to see um, Barry Corbin with hair again. <laughs> It isn't, you forget, you know what, I'll say this, Baron Corbin, I put myself in the line here, the most consistent performer in WWE, he's performing just as good here as he does in the modern day, he is not the flashiest moveset in the planet, even though the deep six is an insane signature manoeuvre. It's such a great finish, it's such a a fantastic move, and I like the end of days as well, but he's so consistent, and he's so good any time he gets in the ring, and he's a proper proper bastard heel and the only thing I'll say about his tag team with Rhino is there's quite a disconnect because I think Rhino still thinks he's a baby face uh, which is weird even though he's getting relentlessly <laughs> booed and Rhino's just like yeah he's holding the arms up I'm like Rhino mate god bless you um, but I Baron Corbin at big big love and you'll never you'll never get the love that he deserves for his in-ring work I don't think uh-huh. uh, quickly talking about Baron Corbin Sarah do you remember when Baron Corbin first came into NXT I do, I do. Um, how, how, good I, did, how good did his debut? How good did he come in? Like He came in like a house on fire. He was made to look extremely strong. I mean, he was getting these squash matches that was literally deep six hit the end of days and you were done. Uh, but that's the way that if they want to bring over like this big, big monster of a person that's like they want to build up as like the next big like heel of the company. I mean, that's the way to do it because like he, he, he did, he looked genuinely threatening and that's it was it was amazing i loved i loved uh baron corbin in nxt i remember when he debuted his debut match he took on cj parker and who's obviously just robinson now in new japan and he was still he was really flashy at this point in time he was coming in and they just had this guy in the ring corbin and he comes in he just he had some of this uh, the end of days and you'd never seen the end of days at that point in time you think mm. mm-hmm. oh my god this guy could be a presence this guy could be great and then obviously he's developed it the way he became now. But Alan, on the flip side, we've got the other team of Chad Gable, Jason Jordan, the American who've become American Alpha. You forget it's another great example how much the crowd loved Chad Gable in 2015. <laughs> and they've turned in shorty G now. Swines. <laughs> yeah, they, they really did. I mean, I love he came out with his John Cena at the SV towel. You know, these wee, these wee logo, these wee sayings, it was good. Um, you know, American Alpha, they actually are very charismatic. And it's kind of the same when, you know, Jason Jordan went up to the main roster. I think it was a Roman Reigns syndrome, you just get forced in your throat at the point that nobody could be bothered to him. But yeah, the two of them, they are very charismatic and they are a very good tag team. I mean, it was a lot of cracking match as well. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, David, the way they kind of, American Alpha, they kind of dictated this match, they dictated the pace of it. I mean, obviously we had, Corbin, who you obviously say he's consistent, he does the job, he does that. But Rhino was a sh- he was he wasn't the same guy he was ten years ago. So they kind of helped work the match, and it makes you think when they brought American Alpha up to SmackDown, you know, they completely dropped the ball with them as a tag team because they could have built that division around them for a good couple of years at least. No, you're right, and obviously we're comparing um, uh, Dawson and Wilder um, to Anderson and uh, Tully Blanchard. 
can easily compare these guys to the world's greatest tag team. They were that technically mm-hmm. proficient and athletic that you could have, like you said, Stephen, they should have went on a run as a tag team. Um, and the thing about, talk about Chad Gable, Chad Gable is wonderful and he demonstrates that that strength in this match. And I think Graves goes off his nut when he executes, like it's the, the huge suplex he, he manages to hit. Like this one. Yeah, but Jason Jordan's such a good hot tag as well. See, those, I love the moves that he does, those spears into the corner. Like they're so, so good. They look like this, they, they really hurt. Looks so realistic, and like I say, it's the pace of American Alpha, like you say, Stephen. You're right, I am a huge Rhino fan. I actually loved Rhino's work in TNA, but you're completely right. He's not up to the same level that he once was here. Is this match and how good this match is, is down to American Alpha and how technically proficient and athletic both of those men are. Yeah, they kind of, Sarah, they do a good job. Um, Gable especially, they kind of work the arm of Rhino, they kind of target that one, kind of... Not to the same extent we saw in the first match, but they kind of they try to pick the weaknesses of the big man and then try to, you know, exploit it for the technical efficiency and you know general grounds of what the American Alpha were good at at the back in the day. Oh, I was such a huge fan of American Alpha. Like you always got excited for like the matches that they would do as well. Like even just the storytelling that they had when how they just like got started with like Jason Jordan like going through numerous tag partners and Chad's just like. Take a chance on me. I am actually decent, <laughs> um, and like that's what that's what got like the nice nice push because they were very much the same in terms of style of wrestling. Like they both came from amateur backgrounds as well, um, so they were like a perfect fit. And you cannot find more over the top baby faces at that time than those two. Um, and it was such a shame that like they got split up when it came to moving to Raw and Smackdown and you know like Alan said trying to get Jason Jordan pushed down your throat a little bit and with the whole my daddy's Kurt Angle um, and I'm like I'm going to talk about the monstrosity of what's happened to my precious Chad Gable because he <laughs> deserves so much better Chad, Ch- Chad Gable should have been the Kurt Angle son 100% yeah. he would make more sense he had the whole Kurt Angle gimmick going around in NXT. I was, he went to the Olympics. <laughs> Come on. Exactly. I, I mean, I've actually seen a look back on um, Jason Jordan's tag team partners before he, <laughs> he found Chad Gable. Marcus Louise and Sylvester Laforte. <laughs> Surely you just go to Gable. I mean, it makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. They actually had a tag match where they took on Elias and Steve Cutler. I did not know Steve Cutler was in NXT five years ago. <laughs> I, uh, no we don't talk about it. No pun intended, I forgot about Steve Cutler. <laughs> we don't talk about it. I know. Uh, um, Alan, finish of this, the finish of this match, absolutely brilliant. It's one of the best finishes of a match I've seen in my life with these with these guys. Ah, it's really cleverly slightly done. It's just an absolute thing of beauty. It really is. Couldn't agree more, mate. Mm-hmm, yeah, it's the whole Gable goes for the Tilt of World DDT and Baron Corbin counters it into the end of days, and that's the match done. David, you obviously you praised Baron Corbin earlier on, but the way 
People can say all they want about his finisher, but he can make that end of days look like the best dang move since sliced bread. Yeah, this is one of my favourite end of days. Uh, like, honest, honestly, and I don't know if it's because at the end of days works better if it's on a smaller opponent, obviously. And Gable is, like, he's not the biggest, obviously, it's called Shorty now. But you're right, Stephen, it just looks so, so good. Um, and obviously we get the gore before that, which is up there with one of the best spears, uh, I think, in the history of wrestling. But I can't tell, this might be my favourite end of days. It's either this one or the one he hits on Becky Lynch. I'd say one of those two. I'm actually reading this, Sarah. Apparently, um, Jordan and Gable were heels going into this match. <laughs> I don't really get it now, looking back. I mean, obviously, it could make more sense. I mean, before before the tournament, they took on those really, 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 really big baby faces of the hype bros. You know, you know, everybody loved Mojo. Everybody still loves Mojo Rawley, but it's they're, they're natural baby faces. Yeah, no, I, it was. It's a very, very hard thing to even imagine. I mean, but then again, like we never could imagine that like someone like Bailey could turn heel. So, but at that time, you could never even just think. Nah, there's no way. Like you've got a face versus face match here. There's no way that the American Alpha, the ones that are very very excited to be there, um, and get involved with the audience are are the are the heels in this match. It's like nah, <laughs> don't even try to pretend. And it's it's just, it's just crazy sometimes with WWE. I mean, when we look back on this great finish five years ago, it's like oh how great a combination Baron Corbin and Chad Gable are. Then we had 2019, and they faced off about 20 times. In a month. <sighs> the thing I find really weird about this is the first time I ever remember and ever seen um, Corbin as a face, like the fans cheering for him. That took me so it took me back a little. People like him. <laughs> fans used to love him. Fans loved him at the start with. And then he got that He is a natural born heel and he's arguably yeah. the best heel in wrestling right now because he just gets that instant, instant hatred. Like you just want to punch his face and he's just so naturally good at it. Yeah. And then to him, oh my god, hang on, he's actually face in the Russian, what? Really? <laughs> yeah, they, they still boo him, like, like, there was still a lot of boos for Corbin, like, as opposed to Rhino, but in this match, it was, you uh, can't, the crowd to made Jordan and Gable the faces here, you know what I mean? But um, to be fair, like you say, Stephen, it, you've just reminded me that uh, Corbin did get what I call the NXT pop. Uh, when he won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Mm. But that was more for, yes, NXT's won the Battle Royal rather than, yes, Baron Corbin's won the Battle Royal. I remember watching that, just like, you just kind of, you just, you, you see them all coming down going, oh, that's Corbin. <laughs> Corbin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he wins it, there's something else, but no, Baron Corbin and Rhino, they advance to the finals of the Dusty Classic where they'll take on Finn Balance and Mojo later in the show. But we now get a couple of matches to kind of help break up the card as we get to the the final of the Dusty Classic. And David, mm. we have the debut, the in-ring debut of Asuka in oh. NXT. You know, yes. I remember when Asuka shows up in the crowd and she had the contract signed. I'd never heard her in my life. Didn't really, I wasn't as big. Didn't really follow Japanese wrestling as much mm-hmm. at this point in time. But you just look... It, just the whole look, the whole presentation when she comes out, and you look back at it now, and it's just like this was very, very well done. The symbolism of having Asuka's in-ring debut on the night that ushered out the era of the four horsewomen, as far as NXT was concerned, was brilliant in hindsight. Watching, watching this match, Asuka against Brooke, Asuka coming out to music that wasn't your typical Japanese wrestler. You know, strings, music, 
made her presentation, made her feel like a big deal. Huge contract signing. Uh, you had Kenta and Funaki in the crowd. Uh, like, and they, they address it and they say, oh, they've came to watch Asuka. Graves can't stop saying during this match, she's not one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet, she's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And we'll, we'll talk about the match in more detail, but like you say, Stephen, every part of this presentation made Asuka a star from day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Alan, she took on, as David said, Dana Brooke in this first ever takeover match. I mean, part of me shudders to, to remember that we've had five years of Dana Brooke, but <laughs> I still actually think that this is the best version of Dana Brooke that they yeah. had in WWE. I thought she was good. I mean, she did well to put Asuka over. You know, her moveset was actually decent. Obviously, just designed to make Asuka look strong. But they did well with Dana by, you know, her putting Asuka over, but she still looked strong. It was re- it was really well done. You know, I like this lesson with the, the handstand and choking Asuka in the corner with her, her heels or her feet. Um, you know, she did really well. Uh, and, you know, I actually think Dana Brooke is a lot of stick, but she really shouldn't. I think it's just again the way it's been booked in the main roster, mm-hmm. um, and it's just really, really poor. Because as far as I can see, if you get to WWE you, and you're in the main roster or, or NXT, whatever, you can't be that bad a wrestler. You've got to have something there. So mm-hmm. she's obviously got something. It's just that for whatever reason, they're just not booking her the correct way. I don't know if there's backstage politics, or it's a case of they just let you go. You've got the Barbie body, the blonde, the big boobs. You'll do. <laughs> Like that, it's like that ignorant attitude. I don't know if that's what it is. I think she lost confidence along the way. Like that, from looking at, Dan- at Dana Brooke here, what I noticed was Dana Brooke looks like a presence. Dana Brooke feels like a star. Dana Brooke feels like she could be something. And you watch Dana Brooke in the main roster today, she seems unsure of herself. She seems like she's second guessing everything she's doing. And I didn't feel that with her against Asuka, and don't forget this is the first time they've faced off, you know what I mean? I mean, I know we're mostly going to use this to talk about Asuka, but go back to the Dana Brooke thing as well. I thought, when Dana Brooke was on the main roster, see when she was paired with Charlotte when she first came up, mm-hmm. they had a big, big, big chance to make mm-hmm. Dana Brooke look like a star at that feud, because I remember watching her being the sidekick to Charlotte. I mean, it, I mean it was, they, were, they had it when Raw came to Glasgow. The draw mm-hmm. the hydro, and we you just waited for that moment that Dana wanted to just govern in the mm-hmm. chops, and mm-hmm. she did it, and then it just kind of just fell. And it's just like they could have made Dana Brooke look absolutely like a world beater, but instead she kind of did it, and then it kind of fell flat a wee bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. a shame for Dana because she's got I love her. I think her music's great. I hear her music. <laughs> go, There's Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Still a more There's enthusiastic rea- reaction than Todd Grisham to Christian. <laughs> Don't talk about about that thing for Christian, you'll make Sarah cry. Uh, (laughs) uh, But Sarah, we will go to you and we'll talk more about Asuka. I mean, what did you think of um, Asuka's in-ring presence here in her debut? There was nothing like it. Like, you knew that she was standing out for a reason because there was was nobody like her. I mean, apart from the fact that, like, yeah, see when you, like, looked at the, the promo package for her, you could see how hard she was hitting and you're just like oh my god okay we, we don't usually see lassies hit like that or kick like that so you knew that there was going to be like a legitimate striker i can't remember like one of the last legitimate strikers that came through nxt apart from asuka so just like the, the presence like she she took her time she held her own and you're just like she knows what she's doing 
and it, it was literally a sight to watch. I mean, you got pulled in, even just like from the entrance to when the the final bell goes, you just could not look away because like it was even to the point that she had never wrestled on NXT TV. Like, yeah, she maybe appeared at a couple of like live events just before. Um, coming to TV and making her in-ring debut at a takeover that when Dana slaps her the whole audience knew and started chatting you fucked up because they, they knew just by Asuka's presence that they're like oh well Dana's gonna die <laughs> yeah NXT crowd was great uh, Alan a great thing actually I went to watch this back again and obviously seeing a lot more of, the, of Asuka in the last couple of years I always remembered our NXT stuff just being hard hitting, battering people. But in this early days, we kind of saw that kind of charisma and kind of natural, you know, jokey about kind of aspects of asking this match while still coming across frightening at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I always remember Asker is her movement. I had never seen a female wrestler move like that. It was the speed and the power. It just came off. I mean, she was a she was a whole different league of everyone, and I had to put the four horsewomen there. She was just so ahead of them, and for me, and just everything about her, her physical attributes. Um, you know, she's definitely developed her character a lot more, um, and you know, but you could see right then, as David said, she was a star already. You know, you just you just knew, and I mean, I love Ash. Ash was my favorite female wrestler. I think she's absolutely sensational, and mm. you know. Looking back, not re- I didn't realise this was actually her debut, and it's just amazing. And she just she's a bit like whiskey; she's getting better age. Mm. She is I getting really. She is great. She know her NXT mm-hmm. run is absolutely fantastic, David. She kind of she did not put a foot wrong while she was doing full sale. No, no, and the the only the only question mark on Asuka's time in NXT would be should she have lost and dropped the title to Emberman. It would have ended the undefeated streak there as to opposed to doing it to Charlotte at WrestleMania. But you could say that when Asuka left, it left without putting someone over. It did leave a void in the NXT women's division. It did take a wee while for it to, to fully recover after the loss of Asuka because of that. Um, but apart from that, I don't think Asuka had a bad match when she was down in NXT. Um, I think it was NXT TakeOver London. She faces Emma after this and I remember very much enjoying that match as well we look at we've seen a promo after this match uh, for someone who's not like most girls and Nia Jax uh, she had some some good matches against against Nia as well um, like you say Stephen there's there's too much to list and ask us time in NXT uh, um, to talk about it in detail but you're you're right in what you say uh, by and large 99% very very good stuff from asking in NXT I know, and it's Sarah, David mentioned someone else, you know, somebody who shares the same mantra as him, it's all about me, you know, <laughs> and, and <laughs> Emma, oh my god, I miss Emma, or oh, Tenille, Tenille, uh, uh, I, I, I love every car- every incarnation of Emma, or, or Tenille Dashwood, I just like, I can't believe that Zack Ryder dumped her. <laughs> or she dumped Zack Ryder, I can't remember one of which, I can't remember, Zack's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let, let's not get too ahead of ourselves, right? Him and Chelsea Green are a lovely couple, and Emma's doing just fine, you know, without them, okay? Yes, but it's Emma. But- <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Emma. No, I, I think Emma was, like, a great addition to being on the outside of the ring, and yes, 
it set up another feud for Asuka and I would have to say like Asuka versus Emma is one of my favourite matches. Mm. Uh, just it's a, like it's a good it's, match on that show. It's so so good. Like two incredibly talented wrestlers who have got so much more experience. I mean Dana probably definitely doesn't have as much experience as what Emma did. I mean I saw a lot of potential with Dana. Um, so like see just like her no-handed cartwheel. You're just like she could defy gravity. Like it's, it's like, Dana. It's stuff like that. It's Dana. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I'm gonna have to. Emma was... I'm gonna have to pop for Dana next time I hear her see her dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's Dana. Um, no, Eva was a good addition to this match as well. Just because it was like the small things, and nice. it's always the small things that sort of make the big things. And again, that that it still made Aska look like a threat. Even if like she did destroy Dana in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's still class. Um, one of my favourite rivalries from the f- women's roster in NXT is Paige and Emma. So good, you know. Oh, it's a shame Paige that um, so good. It's so good. I mean, they ruined Emma for a bit by putting up a Santino, and then well, I know Santino gets love in this podcast, but that was sh- that was shocking. Anyway. Oh, uh, great win for uh, Asuka to debut here and obviously she goes on to dominate NXT for the next couple of years uh, David as you, all, as you mentioned you've mentioned what we got we got a bit of a vignette before we get into the next match and again looking back I can't believe it was five years ago that Nia Jax debuts you know, she's not She's not like most girls and this was not like most vignettes you know she's left a legacy of a broken bones and tarnished bodies in her wake and well, five literally, years literally since. broken bones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, one of the you know, Alan wants to talk about Sasha's botches. Well, have I got a wrestler for you, Alan, my friend? Uh, in all seriousness, there's something about Nia Jack's pissing. <laughs> like that one. Hang on, but Nia Jack's botches are beautiful. <laughs> they're, they're not, not like most botches. Oh, no. And I'm a bit of decorum oh my God. these people. And in all seriousness, <laughs> um, I do think Naya is, is by by and large, been uh, an asset to the women's division. She's not like other characters that are on the roster. She does offer different types of matches, different types of storylines you can have. I did enjoy the build with her and Alexa for their WrestleMania match, it has to be said. Oh, the um, match is crap, though. Yeah, the match, the match was crap. The build. <laughs> Let's just isolate the build. You know, the build was good. <laughs> Sometimes the build during the match team they checked it. It's on the same. It's on the same show as Charlotte and Asuka. <laughs> no, well, yeah, well, you look at it that way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying the stuff. I do like the stuff she's doing with Shayna right now. Um, uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I think this is the best. The best two Ryan Jack things have come five years apart. The vignette for her debut and her tag team run with Shayna Baszler. <laughs> oh, um, uh, Alan, and I'll say this: David makes a good point. I mean, the current incarnation and Nia is probably what they wanted to envision from her at this, this point. It just took them five years to get there. But WWE standards, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, Nia's a. She's sudden and shit. I mean, so I find the right word. She's an enigma. You know, she has this potential to be brilliant and then just fucks up constantly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she has a quintessential fuck up. 
but yet they believe him or they believe her so badly. And, you know, I, I can understand, you know, they need a powerhouse in the women's division. And, you know, we all know who the powerhouses are left in the women's division. And, well, she's shite. <laughs> so they're stuck with Sash. They're stuck with Nia. <laughs> I mean, Alan, do you remember a, a few weeks ago in the first... Uh, the first edition of Central, where we, uh, the panel on that show, me and you included, uh, compared her and Shayna to a modern day Daniel Bryan and Kane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, actually, I didn't compare it. I just didn't listen. I didn't say anything. I just listened to that and let you go on. <laughs> it's like. She's the powerhouse and Shayna's the technical submission specialist. It's there kind are, of comparison. There are, there are modern day Mankind in The Rock if Mankind's partner was an actual boulder. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's if you get as much movement out of that as you do it in Aya. Oh, God, poor Naya. Uh, Sarah, we'll, take, we'll move away from Naya <laughs> and we'll talk about the next match on the card. It's. Um, it's, it's Apollo Crews taking on, look everybody, it's Tyler! <laughs> look everyone, it's Tyler! Oh, uh, Tyler Breeze, who's like, I love NXT, original NXT incarnation Tyler Breeze. Uh, he's okay now, but back then he was he's great. He's still very charismatic and he's still very Prince Pretty, okay? He doesn't have the way. It doesn't Leave have alone. To, no, I'm, I'm praising him here. I love the whole <laughs> thing with the. I love the. I love the selfie stick and the fact that the camera was on the screen behind him. You know, back oh, in yeah. 2014, 2015, you think, oh, that's quite cool. <laughs> you know, but and um, in all seriousness, watching back this match, this is a sleeper match of the show. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and it's down to breeze. Uh. I'll, I'll, I'm going to come out and say it. For me, you talk about NXT call-ups not getting their due. Tyler Breeze is the biggest missed opportunity for me in yes. WWE history. Yeah. I yes, yes, he is, yeah, he is. loved Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze is the original curse of Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, yes. As Gary Kellen once said on this one hundred percent. Why would you make that his first feud? Like they're far too similar. You know what I mean? Like to pair them together. And I just think Tyler Breeze shows here. He shows in the rest of his his entire work in NXT. Go back and watch it, people. You know, he can't match with Jushin Thunder Liger, for God's sake. Even I know who Jushin Thunder Liger is. Like, it's, like <laughs> it's one of those ones I'm watching him here. I'm watching what he's doing. I'm watching the full presentation, a fully formed character, and it dismays me how much they messed him up. And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy Breeze today. I enjoy him when he's doing GM mode and up, up, down, down. I enjoy him when he's doing, <laughs> winning the NXT tag team titles with Fandango. But this is the, like you said, Stephen, this is peak Tyler Breeze, a perfect package, ready to go up and be an upper mid-carder on WWE's main roster for decades to come. And they ruined it. The only thing that was missing here was Beth, like, fawning over him for his entrance. That would have just made it. But, but nonetheless... <laughs> I Tough. loved NXT Tyler Breeze, honest to God. If she's even a seasonal residences. See me talk about see me talk about his SmackDown debut. It's not the fact that they debut it's not the fact that they debut him with Dolph Ziggler. He is literally the cast off from the Dolph Ziggler Rusev feud where Rusev was with Summer Ray and Summer Ray brings in Tyler Breeze. I mean, what the fuck? I know. 
God if there's a way to give someone no chance, like they literally gave him because everyone's pure like you seen it from Ricochet, he's like because people are saying Ricochet should leave WWE, he's like, oh, I, I need to work harder. And I was like, there's only so much like people can work if they're being given. Like they can't even make a Michelin star meal with the scraps of a leftover KFC family bucket. You know what I mean? And that's that's the equivalent of what Tyler Breeze was given in his call up to the main roster. It still legitimately makes me angry. Oh, I can tell, dude. Still makes me sad. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. But um, Alan, we'll talk about the other man in this match, uh, Apollo Cruz. Let's well, go back to Breeze now, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Alan, Apollo Crews uh, This is his uh, second takeover match He made his debut against the Perfect 10 Ty Dillinger at Brooklyn I mean, when you look at uh, Apollo Crews here he looks, He's got all the tools to be a star It's amazing, again, that it took until 2020 To figure out the best way to use him In any form, in any capacity Yeah, I mean, I think Apollo Crews is the world champion Run over him as you see, he's got absolutely everything. He's got the physique, he's got the athleticism, he's got the charisma, he's got the absolute package. And uh, yeah, as as I say, it's taken five years. I mean, and you, as I said, you've just mentioned about Naya. Five years to get it right. It's still, it's taken five years to get Tyler Breeze right. It's taken five years to get Apollo right. It's just, a, it's just a shame when you look at some of these people. They still haven't, they either still haven't had it nailed in WWE, or they're just starting to come to fruition. And it's a travesty when you look at how quality these performers are, especially when you talk about the likes of that last match with Tyler Breeze and Paul Cruz. It's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, you talk about actually five years, I mean, going back a wee bit to what we talked about on the show, if you look at some of the guys who are in this Dusty Classic, a great name that Sarah mentioned, Sarah, I'll go back to you, uh, Angelo Dawkins, I mean, he was in NXT floating, floundering for about five years, and now you look at him, he's part of one of the most charismatic tag teams in WWE today in the Street Profits, so... I mean, yeah, absolutely. I still think that, um, like, see, when it came to uh, Apollo Crews, because I'm pretty sure he got sent up to Raw and SmackDown not too long after this um, this pay per view, actually, because it was. I remember after it being Mania, it was after Mania next year. It was after Mania. The, it, was after, it was one of the Raw after Mania call ups. The next pretty much Aye. the year so after. It been on TV barely a year at NXT, and then all of a sudden they got sent up to Raw and SmackDown and that way too quickly for him. Like mm. I can see why. Like there's like like Alan said, he's got the, everything that ticks the box to be a champion, but he got he got taken too early. I, and like in my opinion, he didn't have enough time to sort of craft and like actually get himself his own identity. Cause at this point he was just the mad guy who could do flips that you didn't think could do flips. <laughs> and that was about it. And then that you ended up with him. <laughs> I know, but it's like then he ended up being like just floundering, and then part of Titus Worldwide, and then that didn't go anywhere <gasps> either. Oh my god! Do you remember that? You know who was in Titus Worldwide? Dana Brooke. That's Dana. She's the animals. It all comes back. I'm looking back on them. Um, actually, Sarah, you'll get this is quite funny. Guys, you'll find this funny. He did debut on Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania in 2016. Do you know who he beat on Raw that night? Dana? No. <laughs> no Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Breeze. He beat oh, Tyler Breeze. Lord above, man. <laughs> and that's, they, put, they put him on SmackDown during the draft. And he feuds with Baron Corbin and Kalisto. He's got fucking no chance. 
hearing that just makes you so like I, I know this is the most overused phrase in wrestling, right? But I cannot wait till the time when Triple H takes over WWE because you just know that this wouldn't have happened. I know that I know that people say it all the time, and I know it's wrong and all that. But like you look at this, you look at this and match the beauty. Like Apollo Crews going for the insult, please catch his legs. Goes for it anyway, but he gets the knees and rolls him into a pin. We could be seeing that in Raw SmackDown with Triple H in charge, man. But we don't, and I don't get annoyed about it. But when it comes to Breeze, I just get like my lid blows, man. My lid bloody <laughs> blows off. We were, I mean, did- we were given the fashion police when Breeze found found Fandango. We were <laughs> given like that. That was like the best thing that had happened since <laughs> moving to the main roster. Because I I was looking forward to fashion police every week. Yeah. He's, he's, to be honest, it was the highlight of SmackDown most weeks. It was great on Smack. It was great on SmackDown, and they kind of just they chucked it aside. It was really bad. They, David, I'll go back to this one because um, Breeze kind of what I love about Breeze in this one, he seems to just counter everything that Apollo Cruz is doing. Mm-hmm. Every every single move that Apollo, I mean, it's just like not counter, moonsault, knees up, boom. It's just like it takes that big, fantastic powerbomb finisher that Apollo Cruz has got to put him away. Yeah. And well, that's what the the presentation in NXT Tyler Breeze wasn't. It was just like oh, a pretty boy heel who would get like his arse handed to him. Essentially, like he was presented as a very very capable professional wrestler. And you see that, like I said, the the spot appointed that is a just a, it's an absolute thing of beauty because you're so convinced that it's the end of the match, you know. And like like you said, Stephen, this comes on to Raw. This is a throwaway match that no one cares about. But these two guys in NXT because of their work ethic just makes like people care about it like there's no one who does a better super kick than Tyler Breeze the supermodel kick eh, apart from Trump Michaels I was going to say the supermodel kick I I absolutely love it's an absolute thing Mm. of beauty Um, but you're right that's the difference and that's what got lost in the presentation of Tyler Breeze that in NXT he had this gimmick he had the pumping circumstance around him but he was still presented as a capable wrestler but when he goes up to the main roster presented as a joke I mean Sarah I mean Tyler, it wasn't like Tyler Breeze consistently got bad booking. I mean, if you look back on it, I mean, he was in the main event of the first ever official. Well, he took on Sami Zayn in the first ever takeover, beat Sami Zayn, then he's in a, a fatal four-way match in the main event of the next one. So, <gasps> what a match. He's so well, he's, he's well presented, just that sometimes you just think they never fought, they never took him that further step. And this kind of year in 2015, he has this loss to Apollo, he lost to Jushin Thunder Liger, the pay-per-view before. It's just like, they didn't want to just pull the trigger with him at any point, which is frustrating given now that he's, you know, back in NXT after not doing much in the main roster. He is a tag champ, but he's just not had the singles run that he could have had. Oh, that, that it, it actually greatly upsets me because of, like, he was in that title picture for so long. I mean, I know that they were trying to push the whole, like, Sami Zayn of being the heart and soul of NXT at that time and him never being able to actually get, like, that win. But Breeze, that could have easily been like a nice wee feud as well, because again, all the feuds that he went into, like Tyler Breeze, it was a legitimate thing that you're like, right, okay, this is what a narcissist could actually get mad about. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason he started that feud with uh, CJ Parker is because he was being photobombed by CJ <laughs> Parker, and you're like, <laughs> like. That is what it's like storytelling. A legitimate feud here. Like, nah, you were photobombing the, the narcissistic ni- narcissistic model. It's like stuff like that. I mean, oh, it was it's very very sad, and it's, it's making me sad. David, I think we need to get a Tyler Breeze appreciation show getting going. 
Yes, the Tyler and Dana Brooke profile show uh, should be something <laughs> that should be done in tandem. <laughs> I get, totally um, agree. Can you get Ross McLeod on that show? I know, I know yes. he's a big, I know he's a big fan of Dana's work. I know, I know he's, he really loves. <laughs> our Bella, our Bella campaign has been successful at long last. This is our next. It took me two years get. to get that. <laughs> Dreams will come true. <laughs> you can hear our um, Bella Twins podcast in a few weeks' time here on the ESSR feature on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Uh, moving, moving away from this match, and we'll go on to the finals of the Dusty Cup. It's the climax of the matches we talked about earlier on the show. It's Finn Balor and Samoa Joe versus Rhino and Baron Corbin. Alan, first thing before we go into the match, Brandy Rhodes on on announcing duty. I just... I, 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 I didn't like her in that role. I don't like her in the role now, but <laughs> she's there. I just... I blocked her out, mate. <laughs> I just <laughs> heard dead silence. No dead ah. air when she spoke. I I, 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 I I remember that in that role. I just didn't remember her being in that on that show. I don't understand I'd, why she was I'd, on that show, but I'd rather watch a wrestle than listen to her commentary. Oh no, a wrestling's crap. <laughs> so was a <her> commentary. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, she did a good promo and was it Dark or Dynamite the other week? She did an alright promo. Then it's the only promo she's ever done that's ever any good. But she was still announcing. You'd assume. As being a good announcer, you would be a natural for commentary, but for her, it doesn't seem to be the case. I don't know if it was I when she was even comment- say if she was that good at comment like at doing announcing. You didn't, it didn't feel like a like a big match. I mean, Greg Hamilton was announcing this show. You just know it's going to be mm-hmm. a big match for you when Greg Hamilton's got the uh, got the mic in his hand, but especially with not Randy. She made man's in the match. Yeah. He, he sells that like a fucking. You know, like a car, like Quacko sells cars. Yeah, you can tell when an announcer is good, they have a memorable call. Like you've got the the Tony Treble call uh, for Rated R Superstar. Like you've got Justin Roberts, John Cena. Like what's John Moxley? He's John Moxley. Is John Moxley as good as well, Justin Roberts? Let's oh, it's it's Gian. <laughs> but what's yeah, the iconic? the iconic? Eden call. You know, no one's ever said, "Oh, I love the way Eden said this person's name." You know what I mean? Yeah, but she she, she left WWE because they wouldn't give her any any chances other than that. It's like, well, looking now, we could understand why. But we're not yeah. talking. We're not going to talk too much about Brandy on this one. We're going to talk about the match. And David, we'll go to you on this one. Um, mm. Good credit to Finn. Sells that the injury continuously in this match like a pro. Great, yeah. Longevity to it. Yeah, and it's like it, it creates um, genuine tension, you know what I mean? Because uh, we've seen the legitimate toughness of Baron Corbin and Rhino of competitors as well, well documented as well. And it is the classic baby face in peril, uh, like sort of meat and potatoes layout to a tag team match, or will Finn's leg be able to cope? It is strange though, the only the only flaw in the logic was the fact that Ballard did start the match, which Graves called out in commentary. And this is what I like about Graves, when Graves sees something that is stupid, like storyline-wise, he openly just calls it out in commentary, <laughs> like, uh, like sort of Byron's trying to justify it. And then Graves is like, no, it's stupid, like it's idiocy, why would you have Finn start the match? But in terms of Finn's performance, you're right. He sells the leg very well. It does uh, give us uh, absolute like it gives us cause to concern that that Ballard and Joe might not get the job done here. Yeah, 
And uh, Sarah, it's a, it's, a, it's a classic contrast in styles tag match that we've seen a million and one times in wrestling, but when they kind of, when they get the logic right, I mean, it produces a decent enough match, and that's what we get here. It's not a classic match, but it's a decent match to kind of round off the tournament. Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, like you said, it's not really a classic, classic match. I mean, despite the fact that it's called the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. Um, but I would, I would say it, it was good enough. Um, I, I'm not too convinced that it should have been these two teams in the final. I mean, you always think, like, because it, it was, they were just two tag teams thrown together. Um, like, nothing to take away, but it's the fact that, you know, Finn was the champion, that this is the only way they were probably going to have the champion on the show, mm-hmm. in a way, um, because that was that was really it. It's just like, champ, champ. Yeah, that that's about it. Um, like, I would have preferred to see, like, the revival and uh, American Alpha, like two two tag teams. I mean, American Alpha were quite new at that point, but I think like the two teams pulled it off enough to sort of do right. Okay, this is like a kickoff. Um, I'm not too convinced of why Rhino was actually in the match considering like Finn, Samoa Joe and Baron Corbin spent a lot of time in the performance center under Dusty. Um I know that like Rhino probably spent some time with them like back in the day. But I don't know why there was like maybe not another person that maybe could have paid their tribute to him in that way, I guess. I think Rhino's in the match purely because from storyline purposes that he had the match with Corbin a couple of takeovers beforehand. They kind of had that mutual respect kind of idea and they kind of wanted to do it again. So I think the idea of putting them together was based on that. I think less than the idea of them being in there for Dusty. Again, mm. I can also see your point about Revival and American Alpha, but on the flip side, if we'd got the match between the two here, would we have appreciated the match they had in Dallas a few months later on WrestleMania Maybe. weekend the same way? I don't know if that would have been... We don't know that. We don't know that. Yeah. And they kind of had two matches actually. They had the one at Royal Rumble weekend actually as well. So they had two matches there actually. But and it, it's also the thing I do have a problem with: the first ever winners of the Dusty Road Tag Team Classic being two singles <laughs> wrestlers, and not only that, two singles wrestlers who beat two other singles wrestlers in the final <laughs> of that tournament. I think um, I love tag team wrestling. I do. I think tag team wrestling, like in the biggest thing that AEW's got right, is tag team wrestling can main event your card. They can be your biggest stars in the company, your biggest draw for your company. But WWE seems to have a problem with it sometimes. And NXT is usually much better for it. We're getting into the golden era of NXT tag teams coming up after this. But this, for me, was a misstep. Not that I didn't enjoy the matches, but this was a misstep, I think. I mean, Alan, we're thinking about it. We're going to talk about the main event in a wee bit, but if this event was changed and this was the match that closed out the pay-per-view would this pay-per-view have been looked back as well on now five years on as we are looking at it now no absolutely not it was a, it was a decent match it wasn't um, it wasn't a class it wasn't it just it made a very underwhelming finish you know, we got this incredible finish with the match we'll talk about next. But I I'd have been never I'd have felt quite bitter about it if that ended the match. I mean I think it's in the perfect place because 
it's just the matches have genuinely got better and better to this and then it's taking a dip and then it's going to have the high finish at the end so I think it's in the perfect position if it was the main event I'd be bitterly disappointed and I reckon the fans would have and I think the tarnished the actual pay-per-view overall mm-hmm. I mean Sarah David mentioned about we're going in after this one to the peak period of NXT tag team so maybe it wasn't maybe appreciated as a tag team at this point but I went back a couple of months before it, or a month or so before it, at the Brooklyn pay-per-view, and this featured one of my favourite NXT tag team title matches of all time between the Vaude Villains and Blake and Murphy. Not a classic <laughs> in any way, but it's so, so fun to watch, you know? It's absolutely it's class. The pop for the Vaude Villains, who got nowhere near the finals of this tournament, got knocked out in the quarters. Granted, off of the revival, who beat them for the tag titles, but they get absolutely nowhere. I mean, it's not as if there was tag team was not a big thing there. They took it very seriously. They did a great job with it still. So they could have easily put at least one big tag team over. They had Enzo and Cass at that point as well. Yeah, actually had DIY in that tournament as well. Knocked out in the first round. Very sad. Second, second round, sorry, second round they were knocked out actually. I think. Very very sad. I'm pretty sure it's the first round actually. No, it was quarterfinal. They beat Tyler Breeze and Bill Dempsey in the first round, which is in itself is a travesty. But then it was uh, Baron Corbin and Rhino knocked about in the quarterfinals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't know you were a fan of Bill Dempsey, David. <laughs> oh, Bill Fit. That's that's the finished routine I'm following at the gym right now, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't oh, like they had. Uh, it wasn't like they had. I mean, if you look at some of the teams that were in the tournament, you know, we had. You had the Ascension. The Ascension, exactly. They also could beat off a of Corbin and Rhino. My God, they had a great run in this tournament. Vod <laughs> <laughs> uh, Villains get knocked out. Uh, Lucha Dragons. They were a good tag team in yep. NXT. You know? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Sin Cara. You know? Mm-hmm. Enzo, and- <laughs> Enzo and Cass as well. They were in it. You know? Um, yeah, you some- had um, Alex- Alexander Wolf and uh, Kona Reeves as well. Oh, was that who, is that, who that guy is? Yeah, it's Kona Reeves. He's down in Wikipedia. There's no ka- ki- Kikawa. <laughs> no. Uh, God, I'm, butch- I'm butchering and his it's... name as much as David butchered the G1 lineup last week. Ah, uh, it's a fan- <laughs> it's an epidemic, Stephen. Yeah, no. <laughs> it is. That's Kona Reeves that was tag teaming with Alexander Wolf in the first round. Ah, oh, the finest. I remember on a, one of our NXT UK reviews, and Gary Gary Kernan gave some praise to Kona Reeves. Very, very strange bit of analysis then, but... <laughs> yeah, well, Gary, Gary's just a nice guy in general, isn't he? He's going to Gary Giveth, you know, and Gary fires you. You know, that's what he's Campbell, you only know half the stories, mate. Trust me. <laughs> you don't. Your toenails are cold. You have the other stories he's told me. You only oh. know half... Or Gary, or Alan, you only know half the stories. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I get headhunted for a job in his charity and I said no and the headhunter said why I went because I know the director I ain't working for him and why I went one of my best mates <laughs> and I know how he gets rid of people so no way <laughs> and they were like okay then <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, I wouldn't work for Gary either he's done a great job organising these feature shows so thank you Gary but you're a bit of a tyrant at times <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful <laughs> Sexy tyrant, man. <laughs> anyway, um, shall we talk about the main event, folks? No. Like, <laughs> 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 We've got 
We've got about 20 minutes left of the show. We've got plenty of time to go through the main event. I think the main event deserves a wee bit extra time because it is an absolute, you know, it's it historic. Makes, <laughs> <laughs> it makes up so much. Of the, it makes up so much of the show. Uh, Sarah, we kind of briefly touched upon it, but I think the video package they put on just before this match helps sell it even better than it does than we did beforehand. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think also the fact that they had it as part of um, Breaking Ground as well. Yes. Um, because like again, that added to it. It was a ne- it was like another thing of a network special, but the the build up, like even just d- that video package, it, it does it makes you excited for the match. You're just like, oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Oh, oh, oh okay, that makes so much sense now. Like, it's small things. Like, like I keep saying, it's the small things that make the big <laughs> things. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, Alan, it's interesting we've got you on the show. Uh, today because we've got David and we've got Sarah on the show and myself and the three of us were involved on the NXT Best of Takeover show last year feels like a decade ago now with what's wow. happened this year I remember <laughs> that show well great yeah. ending <laughs> I know you remember that show fantastic ending uh, but um, we rated this match quite highly I mean myself and Sarah rated it as the bet as 10 of the best matches from the list that we had, David rated it as number one. I'll ask your opinion on this one. How high would you class this on Takeover of Past? Oof, I think that's the worst question you've ever asked me because there's so many quality matches Takeover's done. Um, oh, we know we ra- when we ranked them, it was quite a, a big. That's a, a hard thing. It really is. That's a, that's a, it's the fact that you've just put him on the spot, Stephen. You didn't even give him time to prepare. I know, didn't give him two weeks. Yeah, of like um, um, I would say it's certainly top five. I'd probably maybe put it. Oh, I'm probably going to go fourth. I can probably think of three. I prefer to. Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely mean, good. We we ranked it. was overall seventh on that show. Yeah, I would definitely say it's the greatest. Uh, well, it's the greatest of women's NXT match I've ever seen. My personal favorite all-time women's match is actually Asuka Charlotte at WrestleMania. Um, mm. I argue with that. But I argue it's, it's second to me. But it's the greatest of female NXT match period. I've not seen a better one since. Mm. Uh, and people. I think for me, uh, the first War Games, uh, Champa versus Gargano, three and Cole Gargano are the only three that are above it. Yeah, yeah don't get me wrong, but we, I think if we we did that show just before the Cole Gargano match, so I think if we had done it after yeah. that one, we would have ranked that very ranked that very highly. We mm-hmm. did Champa Gargano one was really high, and we also ranked the match between these two at uh, Brooklyn very highly as well mm-hmm. as well as I've, that debate and I could have a totally different answer for you it's just one of those questions I can't have a an exact answer for it because depending like the mood you know I can wake up tomorrow could be saying but I can wake up tomorrow and it could be nine yeah. you know I, yeah. just, it's just the quality of the match you take over the mm. best but, hey, right quick, top 10, but tonight I would say top 5 definitely, let's put it for number 4. Alan's right though, like, there are very high quality matches at NXT TakeOvers, 
It's very easy for me to rank it though, it's still my favourite. Still my favourite main event of all time to this very day. There's been a lot that's came since then. I just think the history behind this one, like you talked about Stephen, the build, the match itself, everything I knew that was coming and I was just like, it's like watching one of your favourite films again. You're like, you could know every line of it and it still hits just as good. I'd still put this as my number one. Yeah, you, you, I, I, I listened back to that show just, um, just before we came on the air before we recorded and so the, some of the praise you lavished on that match David was absolutely from a, a as a man with a cinematic background you know you <laughs> said the way the match was structured the way they built it up I remember on that show said man that we talked about te- uh, five minutes ago Gary loved the fact that for the first minute or two they just didn't lay a hand on each other they would just kind of scout each other you know try and figure out trying to, a bit of I know it's two women in the match so pardon the phrase man up each other like yeah you know, mm-hmm. and also take in the moment. You know, it's all—it's almost out of kayfabe. That first two minutes, it, it blurs the line between: are they sizing each other up, or is this Sasha Banks and, and Pamela, uh, the performers? You know, taking in the appreciation, taking a wee minute uh, to feel the sort of history in the crowd and sort of just take a breather. But you know, you're right, Stephen. I still stand by the structure of this match is perfect. The first, as soon as the first fall hits. That's when it really gets into the, the the gear for me because I love that first fall is genius to this day. I was watching it and I was like, that is absolutely genius what Sasha Banks does for that first fall. The, the covers the referee, poke in the eye, schoolgirl into the pin, and I'm just like, oh, it's so, so good. <laughs> Alan was like, what you said earlier, perfect heel. Yeah, I mean, Sarah, we obviously, again, we recorded that show last year before. Sa- this is, that was at the point where Sasha and Bailey were tag teaming as the women's tag champs. It was before Sasha took the time off and came back and feuded with Becky Lynch and turned heel. But at that point, we said that this was the peak of Sasha's heel work. Would you still stand by that, given what we've seen in the 18 months since then with Sasha Banks? No, oh, absolutely. I think, like, she seems to have taken a step back in terms of, like, her heel work. I mean, that was the boss character that we all came to actually love and that's what's got lost when she moved to Raw. I mean, like it, you've just seen it dwindling and dwindling over time and it, it doesn't feel quite the same. Um, like she's still a great heel and I'm, I'm assuming that with the whole thing with Bailey that she's going to be the one to turn babyface, which I'm yeah, not looking true. forward to um, because we've seen Sasha try to be a, a babyface and it just does not seem to gel for her. Like, if she's going to be the boss, the boss lady, you know, she it's assertive. She's always putting herself, like, really, really high above everyone else. And it's not the same, like, coming out with the cars and the whole bling. Like, that is the Sasha Banks we know and the one that she came into her own. So I, I still think to this day that this was her best heel work and that it's just went downhill like she's been it's like she's been told to tone it back or something i mean don't get me wrong i think she's got i think she's still fantastic in the ring you know i think she's done great oh yeah in recent months it's you just know. her character to work is but, has gone down a wee bit i mean alan uh you look at the thing with uh stealing a headband from a child in the front row it's oh equally, my god it's it's equally good heel and equally good uh, face if MD follows Izzy's Twitter activity. <laughs> uh, I mean, Sasha is, you know, from a character perspective, is absolutely perfect in this game. As David said, the way the first fall goes, 
the fact that she doesn't actually have a clean fall in the match is it though she cheats the finger poke uh, to get the, the first pin and then she throws uh, Bailey into the screen and just leaves her and just takes the count out. You know, she plays it perfectly, plays against the fans, you know, it's just meant to be taking the headband off the, the wee girl and then parading about in it, you know, and she's just toying with the fans. She's just absolutely sensational. That is the best I've ever seen a Sasha Bank. And I, I agree with Sarah, I am not looking forward to BBC Sasha. If that Sasha came back, it probably would turn me more into becoming a fan of her. I want to see that because uh, to me, Bailey has done well with the heel, but I think the reason Bailey's done so well with the, the heel one is because she's rubbing it off for Sasha. And Sasha's probably giving her the advice, the tips on what to do, and she's taking it and running with it. Whereas Bailey's a natural heat face, and that's what I want to see. I, want to, I really want to swap balls going into this rivalry. I think. And if we get the bitch as Sasha, we're going to have arguably the best rivalry uh, you know, WWE's done in probably the last decade. You know, the one reason why I think they've went with Bailey as the, the heel in this in this current feud that they're going to have I think it's because Bailey has the title I think if I think mm. if Bailey didn't have the title they could have easily flipped it but because Bailey is the one still the champ and Sasha's the one who's lost out I think it kind of works the way they've kind of played it aye but, you know I do kind of hope when they do finally face off I hope Bailey isn't the champion this match doesn't need the title I don't um, think it does I don't think it does Oh, I, say, I certainly want that. Nikki Cross, please. <laughs> yeah, this, isn't, this isn't Saturday Draft Live, David. <laughs> well, uh, ex- ex- excluding, you know, Dave's, uh, you know, draft antics, having an All-Scottish champion perfect, there's a proud Scotsman, fantastic. Yeah. But also, they don't need it, and I think. Not having a title, just making it more personal, just mm. adds to the storyline. I do uh, hope, however, though, if it does happen... Like, we're going to probably get Hell in a Cell. We might get an all-match after that. It needs to end in another Iron Man match at WrestleMania. And you could even do callbacks. Imagine Bailey wins a fall because she throws Sasha into the screen and then maybe steals a Sasha Banks sign off a girl in the front <laughs> row. Imagine that sort of symmetry, you know, coming in here. Because everyone's seen this. This isn't like a, a indie match that no one's seen. Everyone knows this match. So you can do those very clear callbacks to it, you know, and that would be mm-hmm. really, really strong long-term storytelling and would show the progression of Bailey from this sort of lovable character into that dis- despicable heel. But just, just to point in that spot specifically, I think it's up there is one of my favourite spots in a wrestling match of all time. Just like the Sasha, the viciousness with which she throws her and then seeing Izzy's wee crying face still fills me with joy to this day. <laughs> oh, it's so wonderful. Uh, Can I ask a question just based on what you said there, because I love that idea. The mm-hmm. Iron Man or Iron Woman match, what you call it, would it have to be the half hour or would you try and go for the full hour? I don't think in today's society we have the patience for a full hour match. I don't think it would be as, as good and I don't think it would be beneficial for the competitors if it was an hour. For me, full on hour Iron Man matches, despite who's involved, I've not seen one that I haven't tuned out of. This half an hour Iron Man match, I was watching every second of it. And it still felt mm-hmm. amazing. The best, the best hour Iron Man match is Rock Triple H Judgment Day 2000. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's by far mm. the best one. Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar on SmackDown is decent, but there's too many breaks for my liking on a TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But David, I'm actually going to have a throwback to this to the show that show I've mentioned about it again. You can catch it the best of NXT takeovers on a back catalogue. It's one of the best <laughs> shows I actually think. It's actually one of the best shows I think we've actually ever done the way we analysed that. 
all the yeah. matches. But on that particular show, David, you said that Bailey's not a person suited for long title reigns as she approaches one year as SmackDown Women's Champion. <laughs> Don't throw that back <laughs> in my face, and I'll stand by that. All right, it's that version of Bailey was not suited for long title reigns because that was the white meat baby face Bailey. All right, and those don't do good as we know from Glow. It's all about the chase. All right, you want to see welfare queen as champion with someone chasing her for the belt. You don't want to see Bailey as champion. That was based on that Bailey character. This Bailey character, uh, the golden role model Bailey, is suited for a long title reign because she is the despicable heel. The point I was making about Bailey was less about um, my dear Pamela as a person and more about just sort of like baby face and heel dynamics and how that plays out with the title range, you know what I mean? Uh, Sarah, on the back to the ma- back to the actual match, uh, we've obviously talked about all the things that went on as the falls went on, but I think the closing 10 minute stretch of this match, I think they hit all the right chords at every single point during this whole closing to the final fall. Oh, it was like the final 10 minutes. At this point, you were on the edge of your seat because you did not know how this was going to go. Because, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure what was it? it was was it still two one at that point when it came to the final ten minutes? No, it was it was two two. Uh, two two. Bailey brought it back to two two quite quickly after the whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like when it was Sasha applying like the bank statement at, at that point, you're just like. Oh wait, is ba- is Bailey actually going to? Is she actually going to tap your? Uh, you like I was like when we were sitting watching this back. Even five years later, I was <laughs> still on the edge of my seat because I was <laughs> like, at, th- at that point, I forgot like the actual end of the match. Like this is when it's fun to go back and watch matches that you haven't actually necessarily watched in a while, because it then comes back to you. But at the same time, you feel like you're watching a brand new match again, and you're sitting on the edge of your seat, and you're like, oh my. I couldn't actually remember when um, Bailey managed to get. I knew it was like really quick towards the end, but I didn't realise how close at the end. Um, but yeah, no, it's that sort of stuff has you on the edge of your seat. And like, I would recommend anyone to like, if they've got a match that they haven't actually watched in a good number of years and is maybe like foggy in your memory, go back and watch it because you'll probably be like on the edge of your seat and be like, oh my god, I forgot how good that is. Yeah. Because uh, Alan, one thing David mentioned on that last pod, the last podcast where we mentioned it is, it's a thirty-minute match, but it flies in, you know. It does. I remember when I was watching it, I tried to break it into ten-minute segments, and I'm like, okay, that's the first ten minutes, and it's the with the first ten minutes you see, though you were talking about the first five minutes or so, they are just sort of feeling each other out. So it does kind of, it's a slow burner, and it does, it does kind of feel a wee bit long, mm. but then the second ten-minute break, you take it in. And you see, it just flies, and then before you know it, you're like, hold on, there's only 10 minutes left. And before you know it, you're into the final minute, and you're like, what's going to happen to you, you know? Um, it does, it is really, really quick. And to make another point, just to show you how good this match was, Hazel sat and watched me watch this, and actually started asking me questions. Hazel, he says, and she didn't understand the big deal about it at the end, the big deal about the flowers and all that. She didn't realise this was a huge pinnacle moment in wrestling. Um, it was a big moment for Stephanie McMahon. Oh, big moment for everyone involved. <laughs> but, but do you know the other thing is, well, for me, this match is brilliant. Do not get me wrong, it's absolutely terrific. I still think, when you look back at the two of them, they're still very raw. They're still not, you know, still, the finesse still isn't there. 
you know, the twee tweaks are here and then the move sets and so forth, they're, they're moving around, it's not quite there yet. And they're putting that type of quality of match on when they're not, they're not the finished article yet. Mm. So if this next rivalry comes in, I think it's going to absolutely blow the arse at this one. This one, we're going to forget about it because if we're going to get a, a trilogy of matches, I think DC are going to be the ones we're going to be talking about for years to come, not this one. And this is an absolutely sensational match. Yeah, because uh, David, you mentioned about throwbacks if they did the match again. The amount of throwbacks they did to Brooklyn. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I loved uh, the uh, Sasha uh, blocking the Rana at one point in the corner. And it's like, it's like Great. build up that sort of mental, like, I know what she's going to do. I know what's going to happen here. Uh, and then avail- uh, Bailey eventually hits a reverse one and Sasha manages to land it. And it's incredible, you know, and it leads that's what leads into the sort of direct, more direct finish of the match. But that's what good wrestling rivalry should do. It's one of the only physical mediums where you're able to have this kind of callback storytelling. And we see it, we've seen it throughout the Champer Gargano feuds, uh, the amount of callbacks they did there. Um, and we've seen it, you know, seen it Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, their back to back WrestleMania matches. That's what wrestling should be able to do a single movement or a single block move or a single facial expression should be able to elicit a reaction from the crowd. And that's what Sasha Banks and Bailey have always have always got right, but especially in this match. Yeah. Yeah. And as the crowd said, Sasha's ratchet. No, she's not. <laughs> I, always, I always thought I'd seen Sasha legit. I always thought it was legit. It wasn't so I watched it again that I found out it was ratchet. <laughs> You always thought Sasha's legit. No, she's not. Yeah, that's what I always thought it was. I, I was always Ratchet. Was... <laughs> Who's Ratchet? Ratchet and Clank. Was it, was it Ratchet and Clank? I don't know. Um, I'm going to Google that now. It's hard because my keyboard's <laughs> broke. I'm getting a new one tomorrow. I, mean, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, it's a very... It's it's sort of like a urban dictionary thing, but... um. I would say actually it 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 depends because it's people can say it's like really really good or exciting but then it's like sometimes it's characterized as being over dramatic and you're like well which one is it I've got it I've got the definition up here according to the urban dictionary um, <laughs> and I quote uh, ratchet is a slang term and hip-hop uh, I'm assuming that's a musical genre that in its original sense refers to an uncouth woman and maybe a Louisianian regulate version of the word wretched or various of the word ratchet <laughs> oh well I apologise I always thought it was just something to do with like ratchet, ratchet and clank <laughs> it turns it, out it, used to, it turns it out we're so many insult. levels we're so many levels of wrong here <laughs> I mean, according to dictionary.com, not Urban Dictionary, but it says like it was formerly used as an insult, um, mm. uh, but now it's to mean exciting or excellent. To it's a term for empowering women, but back then it was an insult <laughs> for being uh, over dramatic. Oh, this oh. is like eight out of ten cats does count down here. Right? That's brilliant. <laughs> are you are you Rachel Riley and Alan Susie then? I. I would be the Sean Locke of that show, I believe. Oh, God. 
And Jack's like Jimmy Carr. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Have any of you watched Countdown with social distancing? It's just not the same. Susie Dent's connection to the corner with some person, and they're like they're like two meters apart, and the guy's sitting, the person's sitting there. Like, I don't have a clue. What's in here. <laughs> that's that's what Susie. That's what Susie's been wanting from the get go, mate. That's, that's Susie's been wanting dictionary corner to herself for decades. <laughs> Enough about Countdown, you maybe catch that in another podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> overall, overall, folks, uh, a good a good takeover. Loved it, yep. Brilliant takeover. In my opinion, still is up there with the best. Well, there we have it. That has been a look back at NXT TakeOver Respect. Five years on from the show, it was it meant to be probably the last TakeOver in the Performance Centre, but it's probably going to be the last TakeOver in the Performance Centre with fans. We never know when we come out of the COVID era, but we'll see how things go with TakeOver then. But that has been a look back at that pay-per-view. If you've enjoyed listening to us talk about all of the things, Dana Brooke, <laughs> Isla Breeze. It's Dana! <laughs> and Countdown. You can subscribe to us. Susie Dent. Susie Dent. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on your choice of podcast platforms. The one you're listening to or any other one, just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We're on them all. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for us again, at Suplex Retweet. Girls will find us on YouTube. Uh, we've got so many shows. David talks about a lot of rubbish. They does us a quiz. They, they, we quiz a lot. A quiz showdown. I so was leading the latest quiz showdown. It's a disgrace. <laughs> you, can, you can catch it all on our YouTube channel. We've got so much great stuff on that and on the podcast network on the feature shows, ESSR Central, we talk about you, Saturday Draft Live, Eats Me Swear, so much stuff there. Next week on ESSR Central, we're going to be looking back at the first year of SmackDown on Fox. Ryan Gallagher's meant to host it. Will he show Let's- up? <laughs> 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 just don't have just don't have Strack as your backup and you might actually have a host for the show <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, dear that's not going to age well oh, you can you can hear us then also we're going to be we've obviously got ESSR Central every Thursday so this is out every Tuesday on the feature show but from myself Stephen Wilson I'd like to thank my panel first of all David Campbell stay freaky ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Grieve, thank you very much. Uh, the champ is finished. <laughs> and Albert Lucas, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. It's been a pleasure. Yep. We will see you next week. Stop whatever you're doing right now. You've only got one choice. This is Billy Kirkwood. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Get on it!